Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. Watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Bayheim! Is that silence in a little bit? Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Don't up. Fit. Pop pass in the middle. Tucker's got it. Room to run. 15, 10. Hit, oh. hit in. Gregory's touchdown. The Bills make me want to shout. Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. It goes to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing into this. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On The Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. On this. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome, heard, 96.5 FM, heard wherever you are, whatever you are doing, on the ESPN app, seen, heard, and everything in between, ladies and gentlemen, at QSportsTalk.com. Hello, friends. A magical place where you can watch the show, you can chat throughout the show, and wait, there's more. When the radio audience goes to commercial breaks, you do not accuse sportstalk.com. You stay with us. We keep the mics on. We keep the conversation going. We get the conversation going with you. Uh, different topics than what's on the radio, whatever you guys are bringing up in the chat. Love it when you guys kind of take the initiative and uh, just kind of do as we like to call it the show within the show. and. Everything else in between. That's the beauty of QSportsTalk.com, friends. We got a uh, big old Wednesday show lined up for you. The athletic director at Syracuse University, John Wildhack, is set to join the show at 520. Uh, Certainly a lot to talk about with John just today. uh, Syracuse acknowledging that the name of the Carrier Dome will be different uh, in the release put out today by Syracuse. We'll go over this a bit later this hour. In detail, for those of you that haven't seen it, they did not officially announce JMA Wireless as the new sponsor of the Dome. That is certainly to come. Uh, but today, they did not acknowledge it. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to find out the, the official new name of the place until May 1st. Uh, but we'll certainly ask John Wildhack about what we found out today, what he can tell us about this, and how the deal came to a close. A deal in perpetuity ended up being 43 years. And, and why a carrier finally came around and said, okay, you know, in the release, it said with their cooperation, the Dome will get a new name. That and so much more on the table with the Syracuse Athletic Director. We will uh, chat with him at about 520 and give you the details of that release put out today. Nets Celtics again tonight. Jerry West not happy with his depiction in what I think is a terrific show. I'm, I'm really enjoying Winning Time, the show about the Lakers on HBO, the Showtime Lakers and kind of the the rise of the Lakers in the 1980s, which is a fictional show and even a fictional depiction of a real person based on true events uh, has Jerry West all in a lather. And I can kind of see his point on this. 
and it's kind of point counterpoint. So I watched. I happened to watch the latest episode of that show last night, and then watched what I thought was an excellent thirty for thirty on Greg Norman. And I didn't expect it to be good. And I'm always impressed with man. How is ESPN in this case gonna keep up in you know how they present these things? Because they've done so many of them, and so many of them are are really good. And it's like documentaries are so popular now, but you have to do them right. But you also have to do them different. You have to find a different way to tell a great story. I thought Fox did an amazing job with their John Madden documentary. And and there's a certain formula for these things. And what ESPN did last night in a different, I just was so impressed. And it really reminds of Greg Norman's effect on the sport. And you don't have to, I think a true sign of these things, if they're done well, Anybody could watch that. I think if you know the story of Greg Norman and all the collapses he had, particularly in the 96 Masters and just kind of what he meant to the sport. I was a huge Greg Norman guy coming up when I started playing golf with my dad right around that time, and it was just so well done. So we'll get into that uh, during Hot Takes and more to come uh, throughout the program today, and you're welcome to join the conversation at 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. And in the live chat at QSportsTalk.com, I want to start with something different today, though, and I want to start with something that, uh, frankly, it's sad that I have to address, but it's one of those elephants in the room in sports, particularly in local sports, particularly at the high school sports level. And somebody addressed that today and shined a light on something that we all know is happening, and I'm not sure we know what to do about it, but we've got to do something. It's at the point now where this has to stop and it has to be fixed at a grassroots level. Someone like me in this radio chair, and I'm probably going to write a column about this too, can shine a light on it, can bring exposure to it, but it's not going to stop until you do something about it. And here's what I mean. Chris Campolita, who uh, all um, disclosure folks I am friends with, I went to high school with, I know Chris well. Chris is the athletic director at Baldwinsville. And Chris took to Twitter today to say, and I'm going to read you uh, the tweets that he put out there. There's more quotes and there's more details in a story that Lindsey Kramer wrote on Syracuse.com, so I would encourage you to check that out too. But on Twitter, you can see this, and it's starting to get a, a lot of reaction, as you can imagine. So just indulge me for a moment. I'm going to read you what Chris wrote on Twitter. We have a major, major problem with how our spectators, home and visitor, are treating umpires, referees, and officials. I just received a report today that after a lacrosse game last week, two officials were confronted by an adult who verbally assaulted them in the parking lot after a game because of how it was officiated. If we as the adults and role models cannot respectfully hold each other accountable to act civilized towards umpires, referees, and officials. And understand that these are human beings trying to give our student-athletes an authentic experience playing a game. I'm afraid that we may not have enough of them to continue officiating. These officials are everyday people just like us. They're doing their best to call the game as they see fit. Are they going to be perfect? Absolutely not. And he emphasizes not in caps. But when I got off the phone with one of them, who has been an official since 2011, and he tells me that he wants to quit because of the everyday verbal abuse from spectators, that's an issue. And Chris closes with this. Give them a break. 
rather than ripping them apart by, or let me start over. Give them a break rather than ripping them apart. Try thanking them. Thank them for giving your kids a chance to compete and to have fun. We all can do better. It could not be said better by Chris in that circumstance. Now, I want to say this right off the the, the bat here. I am as critical as anybody of officiating on this show. Let's just get that right out there before I get into this topic. I'm heavily uh, critical of NFL officials every Monday after an NFL weekend because it's been warranted. These are professionals that are making calls that are affecting outcomes of games. There was a circumstance this year where you had an official who bumped a player. Remember that? He hip-checked the player, threw the flag on the player. So when officials act absurdly, they need to be called out. And my point has always been, why are they not held accountable? Coaches, players go to press conferences, have to talk to the media, have to be held accountable for the jobs they do. Officials never are. We have gone over this in college football. ACC officiating was patently absurd this year. It was. There's no getting around that. I'm not going to try and sweep this under the rug and be like, well, you know, they're, they're trying their best out there. It was bad, and it affected how games were played. So I think you can, for paid professionals, call something out and say, why are they not held accountable? Why don't they speak to the media? And why is nothing done about this? And they're, they're trying what they can to fix it, but these are professionals at the National Football League level, at a professional level, and at a college level. They know what to expect. Fans have opinions. Games are affected. Frankly, there's money on the line in those cases, and I think we can separate the levels here. I think a rational person can look at this and say, okay, the heat an NFL official is under versus your neighbor, your friend, somebody that you may do business with, somebody that you know you may go to church with, is calling your kid's game, and they're getting treated like this. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. And it's not going to stop until it stops at a grassroots level, which, by the way, you and I both know is tricky. It's a wacky world out there today. You never know who you're talking to if you even politely confront somebody and tell them, hey, listen, this isn't cool. You don't know what's going to happen, and I understand why people are hesitant to do that. But all that's going to happen here is you are hurting the kids. You are hurting, and by the way, we're talking about high school sports. This has seeped below that. There was an incident in the Mohawk Valley in Rome, New York. They had to shut down a basketball league a couple months ago because people were Behaving Now, this wasn't just directed at officials. These were people that were getting into fights and things were happening at these games beyond that. But it was part of it that officials were getting yelled at. I, I, I want to say I'm bewildered by this, but I'm not. It's unfortunately something that I've heard a lot about. And I can guarantee you that Chris is speaking for every athletic director in Section 3, every athletic director within the sound of my voice. And what I don't want to hear is, oh, it's, you know, it's a minority of people. It's just a couple people. It's just a couple of jerks. One person doing this is too many. Now, are there bad calls made at high school games? Of course there are. Chris acknowledged that in his Twitter thread and in the comments he made at Syracuse.com. I don't want to sit here and try and figure out human behavior, but I can sit here and I can wonder things on a radio show like this, like, like how 
into a high school sports game do you have to be where you would consistently get on a low-paid official doing this on their own time? And, oh, by the way, there is a major officiating shortage around here to the point where they had to move around high school football games and other sports because they don't have enough refs. And, by the way, for, you know, Johnny Fan up there in the stands yelling at the refs at the Baldwinsville lacrosse game. Mario Asako was in studio here, of course, doing the, the radio program that precedes this one with Brian Higgins. And we were chatting about this and kind of the, the crossover between shows. And he said something to me. I thought it was brilliant. So he had a friend of his that was dealing with this at a, at a certain level. And what that friend would do when people were being critis- critical of the refs was he would go hand him an application to be an official. I think that's brilliant. I think Chris Campolita and every athletic director in this town should do just that. Hey, thank you for your concern, sir. Here's an application to be an official. You think you know everything? You think you know more than that person out there? Then why don't you get your ass off that bench and go do it? Why don't you contribute? Why don't you make the problem better? There's an official shortage. Can you volunteer your time to make it better? Get out there in the heat of the moment and call that game and give up your free time and time with your family to go officiate a game. Oh, by the way, specifically about high school lacrosse, but you can apply this to a lot of spring sports out there. Get out, How about last night? Shovel some snow off the field. Get out there in 30-degree weather and run around for a couple of hours for, I don't what do they even get paid? 50 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever it is. You think you can do better, then go get an application and get out there and do it. We all blow off steam at games. Bad call here, bad call there, moans and groans, it happens. And what tends to happen, particularly in crowds, is is the mob mentality takes over. One person gets on the officials and everybody else around them thinks, oh, well, if he's doing it, that must be okay. Athletic directors like Chris... And high school officials, they've got too much stuff going on to have to police this, right? They've got too much to worry about. There's there's so many things happening that for them to have to, and they, they're the ones that have to address it because they're the authority figures, right? The AD, certain people in, in positions of authority. This is not going to stop, unfortunately, because you jerks can't behave yourself. I'm talking to the jerks that do this. As a, in a minority sense as they are, like I said, one is too many, that it's going to have to get to the point if these things haven't already happened. Because schools make announcements. You're well aware of this. There are signs. I've been to plenty of games. There are signs that basically say, like, hey, these are kids, so calm down and don't get on the officials. And, again, I want to applaud the people that don't, that are adults and follow the rules. But this is not an isolated incident. Chris spoke up here, and I guarantee you, I have not checked with Chris on this, I can guarantee you he got a lot of messages from his colleagues out there today saying, hey, thank you. Thanks for speaking up because I'm dealing with the same thing. I talked to Mario about it because Mario and our TV uh, reporters out there and, you know, the Lindsey Kramers, I'm going to miss some names here, so forgive me if I don't. Pat Spadafore, Phil Blackwell, you know, the guys that are, you know, out there at the high school games, they hear it and they see it too. And it's sad. And I could sit here and I can rant about this all I want. I can write columns about it. I can get on Twitter. And that's great because it 
highlights it, but it's not going to stop until you make it stop. And I'm not talking to the people that do it. I'm talking to the people that sit there and don't say anything when it happens. Because these people, and I hate to say it, because, again, I don't want to encourage confrontation. You never know who you're dealing with. If you feel like dealing with that person could lead to something, then, you know, you may have to take it a step further. And No one likes to be a tattletale. No one likes to be a Karen, as it said. But I'm sorry, that's the point we're at. You have to rat these people out. You have to call them out. You hear one person get on, I don't want to say one call, like everybody can blow off steam about one bad call, but somebody consistently getting on these officials, or you hear them or see them, in this case, confront an official at his car after the game, it's not going to stop until you make it stop. The parents and the people that are there, grassroots, watching their kids play, because it's going to hurt your kids. Well, I'm behaving myself. I'm not doing it. What does this have to do with me? It has to do with you because the more this happens, you're going to go to a game one day and it's going to be canceled. Why? Because there's not enough refs. It's probably already happened to you. Beyond the obvious conversation here that people can't be adults at a sporting event for high school children. This is happening too much. It's not to say kids don't misbehave at high school games. I mean, that, Hello, <laughs> that happens every year. That's just part of the gig, right? You have to have a certain patience level, a certain understanding of how these things work. I'm cognizant and well aware of that. I have a child in high school who plays a high school varsity sport. She plays a sport that doesn't really have the spectators that this does, but I'm well aware of it. She plays another sport that does. Thankfully, the games that I have been to, watching my child play this particular sport, you know, shout out to uh, people at ESM. And I don't want to play favorites here. That's just the district I'm in. They are, they are for the most part, you know, it's not, nobody gets a perfect score here, but they, they go, they watch the game, they're encouraging, and, and they don't get on the refs. Who, by the way, are often like teenagers. Who are often, like I said, doing this in their free time, and they don't deserve any of that crap. And again, I I feel guilty anyway. I feel like I'm partially responsible for this in that on this show sometimes we do get on officials because they do need to be held accountable at, at an NFL level, at a college level, when they're affecting the outcome of the game, when they're misbehaving. I, I told the story recently on this show. You guys might remember this. And I can't remember what the specific reference was because, unfortunately, it comes up too much. And I was talking about officials, and I got an email from an official. And I shared that email. And basically, the official told me like to shut up because I've never been a ref and I don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, he makes somewhat of a fair point. I began this monologue by saying, you know what? You think you can do better. Get out there and officiate. Maybe I should put my money where my mouth is and do that in my free time. But see, there are officials that have that mentality that are entitled like that, that, are arrogant like that. That's a problem, too. These things can both be issues that we can address, but for Chris to make a plea like that, I would imagine how this bubbled up before. Now, this spurned from a conversation he had with an official who's been an official for 11 years, and he's like, I've had it. I can't do this anymore. I mean, do I have to get it down to its most fundamental level? These are people, too. These aren't just people. It's one thing to watch an NFL game. I'm never going to run into Ed Hockley at Wegmans. 
but you're going to run into the official at your kid's lacrosse game at church. I'm never going to run into Ted Valentine, okay, at the drugstore. But you are going to run into that ref, or you're going to know somebody who knows that ref that you railed on because, God forbid, he missed that holding call. You know these people. They are in your community. You live with them. You work with them. You pray with them. Just remember that next time. Just remember that next time you are going to get on an official. If I can make one plea today, just remember that the next time you're going to be an a-hole. Hopefully, my voice will pop into your head. And if I can prevent it from happening a few times, then great. But I can only do so much. And Chris can only do so much. And anybody else I can put on this list can only do so much. You can put up signs. You can make PA announcements. You can throw people out for doing it. You can have a zero-tolerance policy, which I shouldn't be in favor of, but how else is this going to get better? You yell at a ref once, you're out of here. You should be able to express yourself at a sporting event, but this has gotten bad enough that that, to me... I would be fully in favor of zero. And there are some in place. I'm not, you know, suggesting anything new here. It's gotten so bad that there are zero tolerance policies in place. And look, I'm not going to fix human behavior. People are people. You're going to find jerks everywhere you go. That's just life, particularly at a sporting event where, you know, you're, you're gathering uh, a mass of people. There's always going to be somebody in that crowd that's misbehaving themselves. I'm not a perfect citizen either, but I know not to do this. And I think, most people know not to do this, but there's enough that don't that we're at this this point now. And it's not going to get better unless you say something about it and do something about it. And again, you have to do it carefully. I understand how people are these days. But you know what? If that means you got to be a Karen, be a Karen. If that means you got to be a tattletale, be a tattletale. Because this, this is, do I have to go to like the most fundamental part of this. It's for kids. This is for kids. It's not to say this can't apply to higher levels, but again, college officials, NFL officials, like, come on. Some of the stuff we're seeing there, that's got to be fixed too. And by the way, a lot of that frustration at those levels comes from people that have money on those games. If you got money on high school games, like, like, wow, like, come on. Seek help. That's just beyond the pale. But that's a whole different topic for a different day. So I don't know what we're going to do beyond, like, ranting about it and suggesting ways to fix it. I'm sitting here today thinking, like, the only way I'm going to fix this, if it, it, I mean, I can bring light to it. I can write columns about it. But part of me is like, i got to put my money where my mouth is. I'm a busy person. I've got a lot going on, but maybe I got to step up and fill out an application and do this and get right in the heart of it. If anything, it will make for great material to talk about. But for now, the one thing we can do is when you hear this, you have got to speak up. It's got to stop at a grassroots level. And is that going to completely eliminate the problem? No, but maybe it makes it better. If anything, you've got to, we, I, I keep saying you, we, we collectively have to fix the problem by doing the very thing that that person is doing to that official, shaming them. We need to shame them. Oh, no, sir. 
It's not the call on the field he missed. It's you being a jerk. Oh, no, ma'am. It's not that they, you know, they called that penalty on your kid. It's, it's you. And I don't know how to express that in a way we could do it more politely than how I feel about this, but that's how it's going it, to, it's not going to stop, but that's how it's going to slow down. And I am pretty emotional about this because it does, it shouldn't be this way, but nothing happens with these things until it affects you, until it's personal, until it happens in your neighborhood or to somebody you know, and in this case, it happened to somebody that I know and I care about and I'm friends with, and that shouldn't be the case because I've heard all these stories, but I fall in this trap too. You hear about it somewhere and it's like, oh, that's over there. We don't do that where I live. Oh, no, it happens where you live, and you know it. And it happens where I live, and I know it. And I got to put my money where my mouth is here too, but at the same time, I think a lot of us do. I'm late. I got to get to a break, but I want to finish this thought with this. Chris made this point too. If anything, the opposite should be happening. Games are happening again. Crowds are back at games. Masks are off. COVID restrictions that kept people away are gone. We should be thrilled to be sitting in those stands, even in the 30-degree weather, watching high school lacrosse all bundled up like it's the middle of January because we couldn't be there. You couldn't be there to watch your kids in recent years, could you? And this is what you do when they let you back in. And again, I don't want to make this sound like I'm scolding everybody. It is a minority of people, but one person, one person doing this is too many. You should be screaming hallelujah when you walk in that place. You, when you see that referee, take Chris's advice. Go shake their hand. There's, here's another thing we can do. It's a small thing, but it's something we could do. You go to a high school game tonight, tomorrow, next week, whenever the case may be. I want you to make it a point to go up to that official and do the opposite of what these jerks did at Beeville. Thank them for what they do. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am, for taking your time to officiate this game. I'm going to be watching you. I'm going to be watching you. Because you, you, missed, you missed that warning call in the last guy. I'm going to be watching you. But thank you for what you do. That's at the very least where we can start to turn the tide on this. And on that note, we'll break. We will come back, and before we do take a break, we'll talk to our friend Bill from Lee Baldwin and Company, who is going to tell us how the markets did on this Wednesday, getting over the hump today on April 20th, 420 day, Bill. Any uh, can- any cannabis businesses uh, benefiting from 420 today? Uh, not that I'm aware of. I re- although they did interview uh, CEO this this afternoon, I was not aware of uh, the uh, correlation. But uh, the markets ah, were mixed today. <laughs> Dow was up 249 points. Uh, thanks to P&G and IBM, both had good earnings. Uh, IBM's been in a tight range, but it was up uh, 7 or 9% today, so uh, hopefully that can break out and go higher. And then uh, the tech stocks uh, took it on the chin due to Netflix. I know Mike used it as a dog last night. I was listening in the car. Uh, so uh, 
it fell even more today, dropping 35%, which is a lot. They lost uh, 200,000 subscribers. It was the first quarter they lost subscribers in 10 years. So the company's been on a phenomenal run. They're probably due for a, a short-term pullback. And uh, that's it today. Thank you so much, Bill. Appreciate it, sir. We'll break on that note, come back, give you details on the acknowledgement by Syracuse University today that they are going to uh, have a new name for the Carrier Dome. We can certainly talk more about the high school sports issue as well. We're back after this. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. Great to have you here. You're on the block ESPN Radio Q SportsTalk.com. Syracuse Sec Director John Wildhack joins us about a half hour from now. A lot to get into, as you can imagine, with the QSAD. Uh, for now, let's say we do some uh, takes uh, with the temperature turned up. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. <laughs> it's time for Hot Takes on the Block. Has Paul ever been first team all Did NBA? Bob Cousy ever shoot over 40% from the field? Well, we career? understand that. Did You're he right. overshoot, oh, did no, ever shoot over not. 40%? Probably 39, 40%. Different kind not of Not once. I, it's not fair. once. That's fair. He also had 29 assists in an NBA game. Oh, well, you know, he was being guarded hey, hey, hey. by plumbers and firemen. Oh, come on. That's that is fair. true. That that's is true. I just had to play that clip uh, for no other reason than when Mad Dog goes on first take on Wednesdays, magic happens. You heard J.J. Redick in there, too. And, you know, I love the old school references that Russo makes. Right, Stephen A.? I got to go to work. Peace. And, uh, yeah, the, the the fire in J.J. Reddick's eyes, and he's, he's playing fire. <laughs> How dare you, sir? That's an insult to the great Dave Bing and some of the players that played against Bob Cousy back in the day. But, look, Chris Paul is, is up there when it comes to some of the great point guards in the game's history. Are the Suns in trouble now with Booker hurt, with some other injuries? I mean, the Pelicans didn't even have Zion missing some key guys took away home court advantage from the Suns, and game on. Here we go. And, of course, that leads to Nets-Celtics tonight. Speaking of fan behavior, as we have discussed uh, maybe a little bit too much lately, uh, we'll see what the Celtics fans have for Kyrie Irving tonight, the back and forth, the juice. But let's not let it fall to the wayside here how great game one was. And I think we all never assume in sports – Never, ever assume, but you can't anticipate. There's no way Kevin Durant goes out there and craps the bet tonight. 9 of 24 the other night, six turnovers, just not himself, not looking. I mean, Kyrie almost single-handedly willed the Nets to victory in that game, but you need Durant and Kyrie Irving to be on your game against certainly one of the better defensive teams. Take home court advantage away, as we mentioned, that the Pelicans did to the Suns. And let's just hope we get a great game and a great series and juice. And look, I think Kyrie, 
I don't like the dude. I wouldn't have a beer with him. I wouldn't, you know, want to have a conversation with him because I would have to resist the urge to say some things that would get me in trouble considering his views on a lot of things in life, particularly his flat earth theory. It's like, come on, man, just, what are we doing here, right? So I don't want to hang out with a dude, but I do appreciate the fact that he uh, leans into the villain role here. Villains in sports are a good thing as long as it's, you know, done at arm's length. Celtics, Lakers, Duke, North Carolina, Michigan, Ohio State. Rivalries are a good thing. You don't even have to be a rival, right? All these, it's the playoffs. The intensity should be there. Sports hate should be kept in context. But one of the big complaints people have, and maybe it's just older fans, is that everybody's friends. There's no juice. There's no hate is a strong word, but there's no, there's no level of competition anymore. There's no, I'm going to rip your throat out theoretically, in sports. Well, we're getting that in this series, but when you're flipping people off and you got things being chanted from the stands, I mean, folks, this is a sporting event here, right? Do I have to continually remind you of this and the juices that get flowing and that's why these things happen? But I hope game two is as good as game one. I hope the back and forth is done at a, a reasonable level, though that might be too much to ask at this point. And I hope Kevin Durant has a better game and I hope this series goes seven at this point. I think it will. I think... This just kind of feels like one of those series that's going seven at this point. We'll see if the Nets bounce back in game two tonight. That's hot. For the sake of our, our, our Tuesday, Thursday intern, the great Eric Slater. Let's hope the Nets get back into this thing. I watched an amazing documentary last night, and I didn't think I was going to. And I love it when I'm skeptical of something and it exceeds my expectations. And I stumbled upon the last 50 minutes. It was so good that I had to go back and watch the whole thing. You know, you can hit that button and it takes you back to the beginning. That's what I I had to do for this. And I stayed up a lot later last night doing this because I had a column to write last night and this pushed that column writing well into the night and it was worth it because ESPN did a 30 for 30 on Greg Norman, okay? The challenge that ESPN has, and anybody that does these things, because documentaries, they are so hot these days, right? Like That's hot. They're the thing, baby. If it's done well, it's captivating. But the challenge they have now is, and I'm actually, well, plug here, working on two of these projects, not on the level of, say, a, a major documentary, like a 30 for 30, but, you know, so we're, we're cooking up some juicy stuff for you at Syracuse.com, so be on the lookout for that. You got to do these in a certain way. There is a formula to them that you have to stick to. And that's good interviewing. But how do you add an angle? How do you add something that makes it different than the various other documentaries that are out there? Well, they did it for this last night. So I don't want to give it away because I want you to watch it. And I'm not being paid to promote this. I just you know, want to present good content to you that I think you'll enjoy. And by the way, you do not have to be a, a golf fan I happen to be a Greg Norman fan. I drink his wine. I wear shark shirts. I've got that the hat. Don't always wear it when I play golf, but I've got it. Like, I love Greg Norman. Greg Norman was my guy. When I started playing golf with my dad right around that time, he's, you know, as the documentary goes over, losing in the Masters, and but winning the British Open, just becoming like this, this I just loved Greg Norman, loved the shark. The way they did this last night, so it's the typical interview, right? The typical one-on-one interview. You hear the guy in the background asking questions. But the way they did this was brilliant. 
So in addition to Greg Norman talking about what happened at the Masters a few times, Larry Mize chip in, losing to Jack Nicholas the year before that, and then 96, so painful to go over 96. He had a six-shot lead going into the last day. And again, I don't want to give it away, but there were so many unbelievable details. That's the other thing that makes documentaries what they are, details, stories you haven't heard before. I don't want to give that away, but I will give this away because it'll get you to watch it if you haven't. They had Greg Norman walk Augusta by himself. The course is deserted. The clubhouse deserted. I don't know when they did this. It was a picture-perfect day. And not only did he retell the stories, he did it at Augusta where the shots took place. Not only that, he re-watched footage of that Masters for the first time. It was incredible. It was. I was telling intern Bryce about it. He's like, I'm getting the hair on my the back of my neck is standing up. Kudos to ESPN. It's hard to make these things stand out and different and captivating, and they did it, and it was so darn good. Now, that's, that's hot. a documentary where... Reality becomes fiction is in the news these days because Jerry West is not happy with his depiction in the HBO show Winning Time, which is, look, the way they do these things, you put a little disclaimer at the front that basically says that this is based on a true story and is dramatized based on uh, true events. It's based on Jeff Perlman's book, which was, I did not read, but heard was phenomenal. It's one of the most well-sourced books about the Lakers ever written. And it's, you know, the rise of the the Showtime Lakers in the 80s. Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the whole deal. This show on HBO is incredible. The way it's shot, not to get all, like, film nerdy on you, but the cinematography, the the actors they got to play these guys, not just the the, the Lakers, they they got to Larry Bird in the early 80s here in the latest episode. I don't know who they got to play Larry Bird, but, man, he nailed it. Jerry West in this show, I have to I'm watching this saying, there's no way this dude was this nuts. Not to give anything away, but they the way they depict him in this show, they make him seem just so over the top, even for Hollywood. I'm like, there's just no way. There's, but they did base it on Perlman's book. Perlman did over 350 interviews for that book. And... This is what he came out with, and they based this series on that book, but they put a little Hollywood flair into it as they do with these things. So Jerry West and his attorneys have demanded an apology from Adam McKay and the creators of this show. All that's going to do, by the way, is get more people to watch this show. So if I'm Adam McKay, I'm HBO, I'm like, thank you, right? You can have a quibble with it all you want. So I was struck by that because I watched both of these things And here is a documentary, a true Greg Norman, this happened, his words, his footage, his view of this. The Lakers thing is very loosely based on what happened, and they just kind of blow it up because it's Hollywood, baby. And we'll break on that note. We'll come back. John Wildhack's coming up in about 20 minutes. Don't miss that.